Welcome back to Motherhood Uncut. We are so glad you're here. In this podcast, Deb Rubin and I talk about all things motherhood related, the things that people don't usually want to bring to the table, the messy, the hilarious, the ugly, the challenging, the amazing, the beautiful, the really effed up, all that stuff. We've got it here for you. We bring to you our own personal experiences, moms, as well as some research and data that might help you along the way. Thanks for being here. Bring your friends. Don't forget to subscribe, rate, and review. We've got you. Come mother with us. Hey, everyone. Deb here. So we had the opportunity to interview our husbands, Howie Rubin and Jamie Kripke, today on the podcast. And they both showed up with so much vulnerability, wisdom, authenticity, and and really deep insight about what it's like to raise adolescent girls. Um, it feels like the beginning of a bigger conversation, but we really started to get into it. And that's just it. We want to invite other fathers to have these conversations, either with each other and or with their partners and with their kids, because this is actually where the magic of connection starts, to have that ability to get thoughts out of your head, move away from isolation, and open up into your heart. It was really fun to have them on the podcast, so I hope you enjoy it too. And it's a really wonderful reminder of how much our dads need support and care. So that leads me to reminding all of our listeners that I am doing a workshop on dads, for dads and daughters, and those who identify as dad and those who identify as daughters, it's in person and virtual on February 8th at Boulder Country Day School. So check out my website at motherdaughterco, I'm sorry, motherdaughterjourney.co, and hopefully you can sign up. It's going to be a really, really wonderful two-hour educational session and an opportunity for dads to share and get some collective wisdom and feel part of something bigger than themselves. Have a good day. Hey, everyone. It's Kate. You know, every day or every other day, I am on Instagram posting little clips, little ideas, little strategies for your everyday maternal mental well-being. I used to actually really dislike social media and Instagram. And of course, as you know from our podcast, I still think that we need to be real careful with social media and our kids. That said, I am finding that the connections I'm making on Instagram through this feed where I am really offering moms out there a way to connect deeply with themselves, with their kids, and with their mental well-being to be really an amazing journey for me. So check it out. I'm sharing a bit about my mothering there as well as really important things to think about when you're working towards that sustainable mental well-being at Kate Kripke. I'll see you there. Hi, Deb. Hi, Kate. It's podcast day. Happy podcast day. Who do we have with us today, Deb? We have our amazing, brave, courageous, messy human husbands here today. I'm Kate's husband, Jamie. Deb's husband, Howie. Welcome. So before we launch into really what it's like to father daughters, because that's the heart of this podcast, I'm going to give a quick little intro as to how we met. Love it. Okay, so Kate and I actually met because we worked in the same office. Kate and Jamie had just moved here from San Francisco, and people kept telling us that we needed to meet each other. And we did, but we were both new moms 
we were working, we had very little bandwidth for a lot of extra. So our relationship was sort of a slow roll at the beginning. Wouldn't you agree? I would agree. We were, we were friends before they were friends. Yes. We, we were friendly, I would yes. say. Yes. And then one day we went out to lunch. It was our first like date, just Kate and I. And we're sitting there talking. We're sharing a little bit about our personal lives. And we started talking about our husbands. And we were like, oh, <laughs> they need to meet. Yep. <laughs> and we were like, this is a potential bromance. And so about two weeks later, we had a dinner together and boom, there it was. And they fell in love. Wouldn't you say? Did you guys fall in love? Over time. <laughs> Instantly. <laughs> I actually think it was pretty instant. Maybe it was a little both and. It was pretty instant from my seat and, um, and then, you know, all these years later, there's been tons of co-parenting, tons of friendships, um, highs, lows, everything in between, starting a business together. And like any family, there's family dynamics. And it's just been this really beautiful evolution of a relationship. And the thing that I love about both of you is watching you father, because I think you both do it with so much integrity and humility and that's what we want to learn about today do you want to add anything Mm, I think I'll just reiterate something you already said which is that you know the point of today I think is to continue to help normalize the things that come up for all of us dads included and just like we're saying we're really proud of these dads here sitting with us and that they do things really well that they're not perfect either because who is and so this talk today with them is actually, I'm excited to learn a little bit about their experience, but also just to bring some of that messiness, the beauty, but also the messiness that occurs behind four walls to the table so that other people don't feel so alone. Absolutely. Thank you. The other thing I'll add to that is there's a lot of attention on motherhood in our culture and support for moms. And so often the dads get lost in the shuffle. And that's really why we want to bring voice to what's happening for the dads. And this is going to be lopsided interview because they're only familiar with fathering daughters. Um, So we'll just acknowledge that from the beginning. But we're going to turn it over to you guys. And the start is to ask We want to understand what is one thing you each love right now about fathering your daughters and what's one thing that you're really struggling with. And why don't you both start with the loves and then we'll go into the struggles. Okay. Um, First off, I want to say the first time that we met was at an Imago workshop. (laughs) No, it wasn't. It was a love and logic. Love and logic. Oh, shit. Imago? I thought it was Imago. Kidding. We did an Imago workshop, oh. you and me. <laughs> Love and logic. Strike that. We'll edit that out. So the thing I love right now about being a parent of two teenage daughters, almost teenage for us, we have a 14-year-old and 12-year-old, but we'll call it teenage, is just seeing them out in the world on their own and realizing like how much they are themselves and also just discovering and watching the friends they choose and the activities they choose to do or not do. And just kind of fumbling on a lot of things. It's also really beautiful and hard sometimes too to watch, but they're just trying shit out. And it's really, I'm remembering when I was that age, I'm finally starting to like slow down for a minute, be able to see it. And like, I remember when I was a freshman in high school 
And I think that didn't even occur to me until a couple months ago. I was just watching them as like my little girl or my seventh grader and forgetting like, oh, I was in middle school and I was in high school and feeling like I knew everything and I knew how to navigate around town and I would show up at places and have no money and figure out, not know how I was getting home. And all those things are coming up for them. And like, I love just seeing them out in the world and seeing who they're becoming. Do you want me to go love and then then we'll go not love after that? Sure. Well, Howie sort of took my answer, um, but I'll try to give my version of that answer. Um, I think it's one of the things I love most is just kind of seeing who our daughters are becoming and seeing how these things we've tried to teach them over many years is sort of like showing up later in life, you know? Um, and it's funny you brought up how we met because I think that love and logic workshop we did when all of our kids were very young was a big part of how they turned out because we were, um, we were pretty, we were into it. We really liked the philosophy of kind of like teaching kids to be accountable, right. And teaching them to be responsible for their own decisions and empowering them. And I think, you know, that's hard to do. It's hard to do in the beginning, but if you stick with it for a while, it gets easier. And I think, as a dad of two girls, I sort of love watching them be in the world, but also like apply these things that we've taught them and see them actually work every once in a while. That's really cool. Um, the other thing I love is like, and it's kind of wrapped into the same thing is sort of just getting to know them. And, and, you know, as they get older, they can have like deeper conversations with us and we can, we can just kind of, there are more layers to everything. And so we learn more about who they are and um, that just gets better with time. So I'll stop there. Do you want to say something generous? Now I'm going to let Howie go because he's been thinking about it. <laughs> go off the cuff. Can I say something? Can I say something first? Um, which is, is, you know, it's so interesting. One of the reasons I love doing these podcasts is because you can know certain things about people or topics. And then when you hear people articulate that thing that you already know, it moves from your head to your heart, mm -hmm. you know? And what you're saying, Jamie, doesn't surprise me. I mean, I know all of that, but I will say it's really nice to hear both of you say those things out loud and to sort of feel the emotion behind them because... I know people can say certain things, but not walk that walk. You know what I mean? Not actually engage from that place. You both do very much. And so it's just such a nice reminder for me, Deb, that we have these partners who are that curious about their daughters. You know what I mean? Absolutely. And I think that's why we love this podcast too, because it invites conversation. <clears throat> and to your point, when things are stuck in their, in any of our heads, we're not having conversation around it mm. to actually bring it into a different level of owning it. Mm. So yeah, thank you. And I also love hearing what you had to say. I think it's so important as a practice to remember the things you love when things are hard. And so thank you for naming that. So struggles. Easy. <laughs> <laughs> I think for me, the biggest struggle, and we've all talked about this, 
It's just letting go. It's like the piece that I love about them is watch them do everything on their own or attempt to do everything on their own and share with us at the same time. And the hardest part for me is letting go. Like it's like, you know, it's a knife's edge. And I wouldn't say it's a breakup, but there's definitely like an unconscious, unconscious sometimes of just creating space. And there's times that I feel like I've lost like my best play friends and something that seems really trivial to me, like they're going to go to around the corner to go get noodles with friends over hanging out with me for three hours and doing some project in the backyard or going on a hike. Like that's like kind of like a knife in the heart sometimes. And it feels big to me and it's such a quick moment for them. And I think for me, just remembering that they're moments and that they'll have, there's so many other opportunities and I just, I take it to heart. That's just where I'm at right now. And that changes in time. Like the game slows down a little bit and I could see it more. Like I know it in my head now and you know, a year or two ago it was just like rapid fire. So just trying to breathe into that and remember that we all still come together on the dinner table, not every night, but most. And there is morning time and there's those little check-ins and just taking every opportunity as a little gift. It's so hard, Howie. We talk about this so much in this podcast about the, the challenge of not taking things personally. You know, when our kids go through their own normal developmental ebbs and flows and how as parents in general, not just dads and not just moms, but parents in general, it's so easy to take that personally. And I, the, a question I was going to ask you as you were talking is, what does letting go mean to you? Like, what do you mean when you say that? And I think in part, I'm hearing you say, letting go of your attachment to them showing up with you a certain way. Is that part of it for you? Completely. And not taking it personal. That's a bit of letting go. And also just like letting them go into the universe. Yeah, yeah like literally letting Like, go. we're going to go do this. You're not involved. I don't know when I'll be back. I might call you to be pep for a pickup. Just all the, the shit like in their daily routine or whatever routine looks like. And like I might not be a part of that. Mm. And sitting with that and being okay and knowing that I really am a part of it, even though I'm not there. And then it's interesting because I think, and I'd love to hear like Jamie talk about this too, because I know we've chatted about it. Like we've so wanted that space and they're little, you're like, oh my God, this is like everything. I just want to get with my bros and go do X, Y, and Z. And and then you get the space and it's just like, you know, like I'm finding myself like constricted in like all the freedom that I have. And Zeb has said to me, she's like, this is what you've like been waiting for. Like go do the thing or go do your nothing. And now I'm like, there's been so much focus on the kids. And I also will say like, I, I can admit, I believe I've taken very good care of myself even from the time they were little. Um, but I'm finding myself sometimes at like a loss of what to do with myself. Before you, before you go, I just want to speak to that because it's really, it's just so clear what, what this stage is and of it's grief, you know, even just listening, there's these five stages of grief. There's anger, denial, bargaining, depression, and eventually acceptance. And when I, when I listen and watch you, there's like this bargaining, like, you know, can you, I'll do this if you do that, you know, kind of like bribing bargaining. Then there's denial, like 
but she's not growing. She's still little like, or why isn't she care? Why doesn't she care what I think anymore? Or, you know, kind of like that. And then anger and depression speak for themselves. And then this piece of acceptance, when you say let go, I think it's this beautiful imagery of accepting that you haven't lost them, but you're giving them space to become their own people, knowing that they will come back. They like really will because they have this attachment that's so deep in there that we worked so hard to create. And I think the more we can practice acceptance, I think for all of us, it is where when there's space and then they actually want us more. I would also use the word surrender, right? It's like you're, we're, you're, you are, we all are surrendering to the normal process of differentiation, right? That word surrender for me has such a somatic experience to it. You know, it's like a deep sigh almost and not surrendering, like giving up, but like, so like this is where we are. So acceptance, surrender, same thing, but it's hard. All right, Jamie here. I had actually had two. Um, one of them was along the lines of Howie's answer and something you elaborated on, which is grief. It's like, it's really hard, you know, as our, you know, our daughters are now um, 13 and 16. We had a 16th birthday yesterday. Um, I really think the last year or two has been, uh, as a parent, just like watching them separate from us they kind of hit this stage where i think and deb please jump in i think um their brains are like literally hardwired to do this right they're they're it's not really a choice they're just separating from us and that's a hard thing to when you're the parent to watch that happen um it's also like a beautiful thing that you sort of do have to surrender to. But I've, I can say that I've been grieving for a couple of years now as I've watched the girls kind of pull away. The other thing I'll, that I'll add in here to the mix is just as a, as a father of two girls that presents some unique challenges too. Like, um, I think it's, it's not uncommon to feel kind of like the odd one out when you're the dad, we just had it, uh, a situation happened just yesterday where, you know, one of our daughters went to Kate with something that she confided in, in Kate with, but she wasn't ready to share with me. And that's like, you know, I get it. I'm the dad, you know, the, the daughter mother thing is different than the, than the daughter father thing. But like, it's also kind of hard to not be a part of those conversations. Cause it's easy to go to a place where you feel like your daughters don't trust you. So that's a, that's a tricky one. Um, but, um, at the same time it has a, there's a benefit to that too. Cause sometimes those are situations I don't really want to be a part of. <laughs> like we're unfit to navigate. Those. Yeah. We just don't have the, we don't have the, the tools for that. So, um, yeah, I don't know. That's, that's, that's like two of them. And then I'll just add, um, I don't know if there's any truth to this stat, but I've used it with with other friends and parents um, where they say that like up until your kids are 18 years old as a parent, you will have spent 95% of the total time you're going to see them in their entire life. 
And then once they leave home after they turn 18, say they go to college, they leave to go do whatever, the remaining amount of time is 5%. You've told me to stop before and I don't like it. <laughs> I don't like and, it either. And I picture it like and I kind of want I kind of want your research team to uh do some digging and figure out the truth because you know, the 955 thing is it's it's disheartening, but it's also a reminder to kind of like this is this is kind of it. You got to kind of enjoy it while it lasts. Mm-hmm. And so really just kind of being present when you have the option to be present um, before they leave is a pretty good way to approach that. And then I'm hearing you guys both say that quote unquote being present needs to shift over time because what it looks like to be present with little girls or little children is different than what it looks like to be present with preteens or teens who are inherently separating. Yes. Oh, I have a couple of things to say. First, I want to respond a little more in depth around this grief piece because the other thing to know about any of us when we're grieving is we can get really disorganized. It feels disorganized in the brain. It can feel confusing. We we lose our sense of instincts. We can be, um, what's the word? Just sort of unclear, right? And... So when you think there's like this long, slow, up and down version of grief, like you said, James, that you've been doing this for a couple of years and you alluded to that as well, that I think in those moments when we're not feeling clear, we lose sense of trust of, within ourselves. And James, you said, you know, it, it was heartbreaking that my girls didn't trust me. And there's two things that I, I guess I want to say to that. One is maybe they were feeding off of something that you didn't trust you inside and they just kind of intuitively knew to go to Kate for this specific thing. And I also think that sometimes they just go to the similar gender for certain things, you know, and because there's this sense of, oh, maybe you've been here before and that that's the hook of it not being personal, right of it's like it's maybe not that they don't trust you but they don't trust that they know how to relate to you in this way and it's actually kind of the heart of what how I really understand separation and individuation is that they're going to push back over and over again but they're not pushing us away they're certainly not pushing you guys away they're pushing away the old way of relation Mm. and that's where we have to get creative around how to show up differently You know, what's so interesting about this example that Jamie just gave, you know, of course, we're talking about things that have to do with being a girl, right? So we're talking about body and sex and sexuality and those sort of things. And I think what's really interesting is that when I, through my conversation with our daughter, it actually became very clear, and Jamie wasn't there, that it wasn't about not trusting Jamie because all along the way, our daughters have actually been or especially our older one has been very open with Jamie about body changes and crushes and interests and things. And so it, she was able to identify that it wasn't that she didn't trust him. It was that it was a, and her word was embarrassing. It was an embarrassing conversation to have with her dad, which makes so much sense. Yes. Right. Absolutely. The other thing I'll say about what, when you were talking about the brain is that the, it is nature. It is truly their brains are changing form and they get like this almost thicker 
layer around them where they a can't really hear our input because they're desperately trying to learn how to listen to themselves, how to create their own thoughts and opinions, how to keep hearing their own voice. This is why it presents as egocentric self-absorption or even narcissism sometimes. It's like, wow, they are so consumed with themselves because they actually have to learn how to listen to themselves. And so I always remind myself and the moms I work with is that up until around 12, before right when they start going into adolescence, we have a lot of input. Like they can actually absorb our wisdom and our advice and our lessons and all these things. But then they can't actually hear it <laughs> for a little while so that they can hear their own voices. Are you gonna say something? I'm having a thought. Yes. And I was listening. <laughs> I think it's um, when you're talking to someone and you could feel their discomfort. And sometimes you start to feel uncomfortable. Totally. If you're tapped in and operate on that kind of level. And I'm realizing that in a way, like I feel like a teenager <laughs> in Wait, some say respects. More, say more. Like I'm feeling their disease and their discomfort. I'm just, I'm like mirroring it a little bit myself and not catching it. And 98% of the time it could be the adult. And also you get like tripped up into that it's like the reflection of who's in front of you and um, it can be just destabilizing like on your heels a little bit. Like I say to the kids all the time, I've never been a parent of a 16, 13, 14 year old daughter before. Like this is my first time too. And I always feel like that's comforting for them to hear because, and for myself to say out loud, just because I don't know what I'm doing. Like you can read the books and you can talk to people that are close to you. We have two amazing bedrocks of, knowledge and heart and information and with all that you're just you're flying by the seat of your pants you just are that's so interesting i just want to i want to sort of honor the bravery that it takes for any of us to recognize that right i think it's easier to just go through the motions and not take ownership for our part in things because it's really easy to be like they're just being assholes, right? right? Or to be like, they're just careless or whatever sort of judgmental things we can place on them. And to be quite frank, sometimes they are assholes and sometimes they are careless. So it's not that that's not true, but of course we play a part. So I just, I don't know. I'm curious, Jamie, to know what your thoughts are on that. I think this is such a tricky question to dig into honestly, because it it really requires us to say what you just said, which is we don't know what we're doing. I don't know. Does that relate to you? Um, yeah, it's, it's clear we don't know what we're doing. I mean, we have what our parents taught us, but that's not always a great solution. <laughs> um, some, I mean, we take what we like and we, you know, forget about some of it and keep some of it. And other parts of it are like, coded into our DNA and we can't do anything about it. So yeah, I mean, I think it's, I mean, I think it's important just to, just to be patient. And, and if you're in a situation when you don't, when you don't know what's going on, just take a breath and just think about it for a minute. Um, don't be reactive. And I think that that's, that's constantly happening with our girls is like, um, you know, from the, from the days they were born, it's like, we have to, we're figuring out as we go. But, um, yeah, if you can just take a minute 
to to think and you know just breathe and then I, I think that just goes a long way comedic outtake when i did not take a minute <laughs> hopefully they're not we, listening we like these comedic yeah. outtakes so this was i don't know like eight months ago or so and deb and our oldest daughter went to the store to buy new underwear and deb comes back and she comes to the room just like so you know i got you know i got a, a g-string for her and i was like oh wow and um i just didn't think at all i opened the door and was like hey I heard you got G-string underwear. She was like, dad. (laughs) It's just like, we're so involved. I mean, our family's like close and we talk about everything. And it was one of those moments where like, I always say, you know, I don't know any different. I have daughters and like, what's the big deal? It's like, yes, I'm sure there's some nuances. Well, that was nuance. And like, I didn't have to be involved. I wanted to be involved. I didn't put any of that together. I was kind of excited for her. And um, it didn't really land, but it was funny. You know, it's so funny. Actually, Jamie, I want you to tell the similar story from when we were in L.A. It's a similar but different story from when we were in L.A. And and there was a, uh, a bargain with Kinley to go swimming in the cold water. This is a G-string story. Will you tell that story? <laughs> <laughs> I am trying to remember the the events. Um, we were We were on the beach and... This is going to sound like bad parenting, but I'm just, I'm just going to, I'm just going to, we all have bad parenting. I'm going to say it because it's funny. Um, so our daughter, Kinley, she likes to shop. And from the very beginning, we've tried to teach our girls to be really kind of mindful and responsible with their money. Um, Kinley's having a harder time with that than Bridger. And so as a result, Kinley has basically spent all our money. She doesn't have any money left. So we're on the beach in california it's winter the water is not necessarily warm like there are people surfing they're all wearing full wetsuits and stuff and i was like oh it'd be kind of funny to just like throw some money in front of kinley and see if maybe she takes a bet <laughs> and so i said kinley I'll, I'll give you how much was it 40 bucks. it was i said i'll give you 40 bucks if you you know take off all your clothes and just go jump in the ocean and go totally underwater and <laughs> I felt bad because she, in one way she was like an easy target because I knew she didn't have any money. But then we were just like sitting on the beach and doing nothing and like what's the harm in just jumping in the water and like, you know, getting out of your comfort zone and doing something just random and spontaneous and we were going to get a, a laugh out of it. So Kinley's like, you know, her eyes light up and she's like, really? You give me $40 to go get in the water? I was like, yeah, yeah, let's, we'll just, we'll sit here and watch. And about 12 seconds later, she's got all her clothes off except for her underwear. And she's got this like super tiny G string on. And I was like, Hey, ho, (laughs) she turns around and runs into the water and I'm like, Oh my God, don't look. (laughs) So she turns and runs into the ocean. And I'm like, you know, I'm not thinking about the 40 bucks. I'm like, Oh my God, I think she's naked. (laughs) But to her credit, she goes in, you know, wades out, goes underwater, comes back out. And, you know, we were all laughing and she thought it was fun and it was worth it. And I was like, you know, I I don't really advocate like, you know, bribing our kids to do things for money. But um, I don't know. The timing just was just right. And it was just funny. And I got at least $40 worth of entertainment out of that. And I think one thing I just want to name, which is back to this topic, which is like her comfort in being in a g-string in front of her dad she was not faced about that right and it's just interesting to think about 
who's leading the discomfort? Sometimes they are, sometimes we are, you know? I also, um, I mean, it's, it was a public, very public beach. There were a lot of people around. It was not like we were the only ones there. Yeah. And that's not the only time that I've paid them to do something funny. <laughs> I love having your daughters a year ahead of ours. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's, it's funny. I mean, I think a lot about how we always loved talking with our friends, Ted and Abby about their daughters who were several years ahead of ours. And we just thought that they were such great parents and we loved how their girls were. So we kind of stole some material from them. Still stealing. Still stealing. Yeah. Yes. Parent mentors. It's like key. Oh my God. Okay. So Kate, I have to respond to it. Wait, hold on a sec. Yes. Um, Kinley, I'm sorry. (laughs) I left my child's name out earlier. (laughs) (laughs) They already know them. They were all here on the podcast already. I, when you said, Kate, who's leading the discomfort, um, it it actually brings up kind of to the next topic I want to talk about because, well, a couple things. One, you were trying to include yourself in Sage's underwear experience, okay? And that is kind of going to what Jane was saying earlier, like sometimes I feel a little left out. And I guess I just want to acknowledge and appreciate the, the interest and the attempt to include yourself. It just wasn't the best topic. Um, but I think that's actually a really important thing for dads, particularly in a, in a home where they're the only male, that how do you include yourself? I think it's actually a really important question to ask because this is where dads have to get creative to do it in a way that is really thoughtful, you know, that's going to actually be helpful in developing the relationship okay so but James going to what you said that Kinley was totally comfortable she just was like this is my body this is me this is how our kids are right now they are having such a different experience around their bodies as being sexual beings we our generation tends to sexualize them way before they are sexualizing each other and this is actually a really big problem that has been going on since the beginning of the time in fact Dad, sorry, I'm going to out you if you're listening. Um, when my breasts came in, my dad stopped hugging me tight. And I loved his hugs. And it was really sad for me. And I didn't know how to articulate it then. But just this last vacation, he like hugged me all kind of awkward. And I was like, Dad, give me a real hug. And he's like, sorry, I didn't want to be intrusive. Those were his exact words. And I, I just like felt it in a different level of what that must be like for you guys watching your daughters develop and become women and what happens for you. Please enlighten us. Mm. It's a hard one. Mm-hmm-hmm. You want to go round one here? I went a few times. I'm happy to. <laughs> I'll go, I'll go round one. Um, um, I think it's tricky. I think you're always just kind of like, I think the line's always moving, but, um, yeah, it's a tricky one. I haven't figured out a, a way to, I haven't figured out a solution for this one. You know, of our daughters, one of them is a hugger. The other one is not so much a hugger. And we sort of know that like, so it's not, you know, it's, it's about the individual too. Um, but yeah, I mean, going back to like figuring it out as we go, I've never been the parent of a, of a girl. I don't know. I'm learning a lot of stuff. So, but, um, 
it's yeah it's just i think it's just feeling like uh a lot of times i feel like i'm just like uh in uncharted territory i just don't know where i am do you ever name that to your girls not like vocally or verbally if i do it it's like through my body language or my the way the way i would hug them or 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 humor or, Mm-hmm. Or humor, yeah. It's got its place. Yeah. yeah, I can echo that too, where the the line is always moving. And I think for me, I've found myself just observing more, taking like a half step back and not feeling upset about the distance that I've been speaking about. It's a different kind of step yeah. where I'm just letting them kind of go through their process of watching their body change. And for Sage, who's more in the thick of it right now, I notice as she's developing, like there's like more clothing or more the door closes. And as she, seemingly as she's becoming more comfortable with it, now she's out in the house and she's got no bra on and she's like you know, wearing her sweatshirt over that or just like kind of being comfortable with herself and knowing that it's not awkward around me and I could just be in the space with her. So again, of that, that mirroring is just like trying to meet them where they're at and when they're feeling comfortable to not make anything about it. It's their body and it's their clothes and they're expressing and it's changing. And I mean, I too, I wasn't a girl, but I was a boy that went through all these changes as well. And there's a lot of similarities there too. And I was a very late bloomer. So I had my own like history with it. Jamie and I have laughed about this for a long time that we didn't hit puberty until we were like 26. <laughs> <laughs> I started shaving when I like dated Deb at 28. <laughs> It's okay. I'm aging like a fine wine. <laughs> but um, I mean, it's just kind of fascinating. And also when you look at all the kids their age, nobody's like in the same spot. They're all half click off in every single direction. So it's just, there's so much going on there. And it's really like, yes, it's my child, but it can also separate out. Like they're all going through this and they're all trying it out and they're all wanting to dress a certain way, whether that be an individual style or something that's like more to fit in with the group. And it's just all really fascinating. Can I go back to your question for a minute? Did I I veer off? No, no, not in any, I mean, it's all good. This is all such rich conversation, but I want to go back to the part of your question I heard you ask Deb was, I'm not going to say the same way you did, but where do you lean in, right? When you want to be involved, where do you lean in? And Jamie, you and I just had a conversation about this yesterday because we were talking about the birthday gift that we gave our 16-year-old daughter. And for her birthday, Jamie took both of our daughters backcountry skiing, cat skiing. And we sort of had this curious conversation of who was that gift for? Was it for Kinley or was it for Jamie? Right. And it's not like Jamie offered to take Kinley to the mall. Right. He offered to take her skiing. And then that sort of veered into this conversation of, oh, well, it was a gift for both of them because that's where they connect. So I'm wondering, since it was you, if you could speak a bit to that, answering that question, where do you lean in? Where do you look for connection with your daughters? And I think in many ways it's around being active. Yeah, I mean, I think our family has done a great job of creating um, lots of ways that we can all connect um, outdoors 
whether it's hiking, biking, skiing, camping, backpacking. And we just, not only do we connect with the four of us, but we connect with, you know, Rubens as well. Um, and I think, you know, um, I just knew that for her birthday, I wanted to give her an experience instead of a thing. That was all I knew. And so I also was hoping that that experience would be like unique and different in a way that, you know, it's not something you can just, you can just go do any time of the day, anywhere you are. It had to be sort of unique and special and hopefully a little scary and, um, just a little scary, scary enough. But, um, but yeah, that's kind of like, that's just kind of where it came from. Like I, I just knew, um, I mean, I think, I think a lot of me is driven by that 95, five thing. And I think, you know, we don't have to have, you know, I don't think we want to be with our kids a hundred percent of our time, but I think it's like making concerted efforts to, to create really unique, special experiences. Like every once in a while that goes a long way because it's funny. Like I think I, don't, I, I was talking about this with a friend the other day about how, like, you know, we think back to our childhoods and, um, the memories that stand out are the, the really unique, special ones. And maybe your family only took you backpacking three times, but you're like, your memory is like, Oh my God, we used to go backpacking all the time when we were kids. Right. And I think it's a little bit like that. I think it carries a lot more weight when it's a, something that just breaks them out of their kind of everyday comfort zone. Please. Yeah. Um, along those lines of memories, and Deb lo- loves to say, don't trust your memories, <laughs> which I get a chuckle at, and so does everybody else. I was thinking the exact same thing as you were talking about. You just remember, like, I have 30 memories from when I was younger, right? I remember, and then the rest I made up through pictures. And there's also this little gift in there of when you do have a hard day with your daughter with your partner, with your friends, with yourself, whatever it might be. Just remember there's so many opportunities to come at it, you know, correct, whatever that means for you again, because that's like the overarching feeling that people are left with when they think back over time is not those little jabs, unless that's the whole thing or, or downturns or dips or whatnot. It's like, it's a much bigger picture than that. And it's not those little moments. So taking, you know, a backcountry trip with Kenley and Bridger, like that's the memory. And of course they're going to say we did it all the time and we went backpacking all the time. And, um, I just, that's what gets me through when there's like hard moments that I can come back, clean the slate and just try again. So you're speaking to perspective, which is so good and so important to remember because <clears throat> they don't have it right now. And so then when we hold the perspective, we can actually lend it to them energetically over and over again of tomorrow, you know, or this big trajectory of what it's all going to look like. Thank you for saying that. Jame, something you said that I just was, had such a nugget of wisdom. I have to pull it out that you're, you were like, I want to give them experience. And then you didn't say this, but what I heard is an experience that is about my value system. And I actually think that is incredible because so much of mothering and fathering is around 
staying steady to who we are, right? In this martial art movement of meeting them where they are and adjusting. So we talk a lot about like, how can you find little moments of connection, even if it means going to Target with them, which is like so annoying. And I just, I walk in there and I instantly have a headache, you know, but, but they love it, right? And so how can I like meet them on their level? And they still need us to be us, right? Because their whole world is so unstable right now and their peers are unstable and everything's reorganizing, like we were talking about before. And so when they have like dad, Jamie, who is, I know that backcountry skiing is something that gives me a little fear, gives me a lot of joy, makes me feel like I'm really far out there and really builds a different sense of confidence. That is you coming in as you and they need that more than ever right now. And so, yeah, I just, I love the visual of a martial art because we're, it's a both and all the time. But I guess I want to remind all our listeners, like don't lose who you are while you're adjusting to who they are. And it's a little bit like my comment to Jamie was, it, it, it's not that it was a gift for Kinley or a gift for Jamie. It was a gift for the relationship, yeah. right? And that's so, I love what you're saying. I've never thought about it that way, Deb, but that, first of all, I love the martial arts image. It's so perfect. But also that invitation to meet at the place of value, right? To meet at the place of being adventurous, uh, fear, healthy fear, nature, sport, play, right? All of those things that Jamie are so true and inherent to who you are as a human being. And it's like, so it's less about the doing and more about the invitation to meet in that place, right? It's so good. That's such a good reframe. So, um, did I mess Kinley up when I paid her 40 bucks to go in the ocean? 100% no. <laughs> I thought the number was perfect. It's a very, it's a very Jamie Kripke number. It's like, what's enough? Which clearly hit the right number, but not too much where it feels like out of whack. I know, I know what her bank account balance Cause is. Because then it just escalates. The next time it's like, just more money. Yeah. Um, along those lines, and I was, as I'm sitting here thinking about raising a daughter... There's certainly pieces that like lean in towards gender mm. and others that I think for me, like I've tried to just not, well, I haven't tried to, I just, I don't really think about it all the time or maybe not so much at all. And like a place where I lean in is I love fixing things. Mm. Right. And we had a Friday night, maybe like a month ago, I was just trying to think back like things that I had pride around doing with the girls and like memories. And, um, Tess was going to do whatever that night. It was Friday night. And I was like, hey, um, do you want to fix the washing machine with me? A resounding no. And I was like, $15 an hour. <laughs> yeah. It's going to take us an hour and a half. I got the video. I got the parts. And she was like super not into it. I'm like, it'll be fun. We'll make memories. Like I just said it to her. And I wasn't a thousand percent sure how it was going to go. But I was pretty confident I can get it done. And it was like the best 90 minutes ever. I mean, we were so deep in, there were a hundred screws out. The machine was at like, I had no idea really. Like I watched the video, but then you start doing it. You're like, oh shit, this could be the end of this washing machine. And um, she was adorable. Like we just got such a chuckle out of it. And I feel like that might be something where like, 
a dad or a daughter might shy away from just because it's like a typical like boy man task of like fixing and doing. And I just, for me, like I never thought about that. I'm like, you're a human, you have hands and eyes and ears and a brain and you can like, we can do this step by step. And it just became such a cool little bonding experience. And then I've emoed her and it took 90 minutes and it was, we had like, so I have to ask like you're, when you're, when you're bringing her in for that job, you're really building the suspense toward the moment when you put it all back together and push the button to see if it works. Oh yeah. Did it work? It sure did. Oh, that's a good moment. Did, yeah. So did, was she excited? Yeah. And there was a point where you, when you're um, like doing any kind of project, a piece of art or writing, you're so close to it that you can't see like where you're headed, but you just intuitively know where to go. And at one point as an adult, I think you learn that over time, right? You trust yourself that like, I'm so deep and I know I'm going to find the end. But as a, as a kid, like you don't get that. And she pulled back at one point and looked at like <laughs> the image of how many parts were like just dislodged. And she was like, oh, where are we headed? You know, and it was just, I think that like those experiences are what builds character and builds that stability, that trust, whether it be, you know, backcountry skiing or fixing something is like just feeling that, that confidence in yourself and that, that stability that you can just, that you can ride it out. And you did this one washer repair job and from now on like your daughters will think of you as like oh my dad i used to make me fix things all the time totally and by the way the oven is broken right now and i think (laughs) i think i know who to bring in oh there's so many nuggets there okay first of all money i think money is a wonderful tool for motivation right they want freedom and they want to buy things and if they can find ways to earn money that are going to also help build a memory <clears throat> I'm, I'm giving it a thumbs up fair value exchange fair value exchange I remember just on that note Jamie like you reminded me I think your girls were raking and you're like Howie like they got to pay, pay by the job not by the hour and I was like well let's see and then I came home and my girls were raking and like it was four hours and there was like a bag of leaves <laughs> and I was like pay by the job <laughs> The other thing you said that is such a metaphor was, you know, I don't know how this is going to end, but I don't, but I know we're going to get there. I mean, that is like, how do we as parents see the forest through the trees, you know, where in the moment of feeling this deep frustration with them or feeling like they're being lazy or feeling like they're whatever the story is that we attach ourselves to, those are just the trees. And like, I just think I want to just get a visual of you and Tess and all the screws and knowing, and then Jamie brought it to the end of like pressing the button. Like that is, that's it. That's what we're doing every single day as parents. God, I love that. (laughs) Metaphorically. Um, We're almost out of time. I have, I have one question I'd love to ask, which is a quick, I think this is a quick question with a quick answer. Um, Deb and I are both, really fierce about our um, belief that in order to parent well, we need to take care of ourselves first. And I'm wondering if you both might be willing to just mention a few things that you know that you do. I think both of you actually do this beautifully well. And I think it's sort of a Krubin family culture, this idea of making space to take care of each person's own self. But I'm wondering if you all would be willing to just mention a couple of things that you know that you need to do to take care of yourself so that when you show up 
to father your daughters, to parent your kids, you are more likely to do that in a place where you're less reactive. Let's go like one and one back and forth. <laughs> okay. Go see music. Uh, spend time alone. Be in nature. Spend time alone in nature. <laughs> Hang out with our buddies. Um, eat healthy food. Read. Um, make things. Be creative. Do nothing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, do nothing is a good one. Sometimes. Um, uh, therapy. Definitely on that. I forgot the question, but I was going to say, I didn't really forget the question, but I was going to be with my partner, my wife, and like just fill that cup. Um, stay connected to family. Be part of a community. I feel like you're getting bigger. <laughs> is there any other, any other no, I mean, this, this list goes on and on. I think the point is like, you got to take care of yourself um, before you can be in a place to take care of someone else. Yeah, just to not lose yourself in all of it. I think it's easy to be, oh, we're going to make this a short answer. All those things are real. I was, it's, it's easy to just get really myopic and be like, I am just a parent. And um, I actually have a friend that I met with over coffee, because that's what you do in Boulder and probably everywhere else now. You have coffee dates. And um, he's early 50s, about to have his first child, super psyched. And he's like, you know, he's like, hey, Howie, what's that one, what's the one piece of advice you give me? And I love that because, you know, he's like old enough to like have like a lot more perspective. When we were younger, I was like, oh, sure, I'm a baby, like pull together. Um, but it's also no matter what age you are, it's still like going into the whirlwind. And um, I remembered that from almost about one month after having Sage, we had a Wednesday night date night that we ran every week for almost 10 years, probably longer. Whether that was, even if we weren't hungry, we went out to eat, we went on a hike. If we were not in the best space with each other, we just went and did that by ourselves. And it's just this notion of just still being you throughout the whole thing and holding on to that because ultimately that's that you have to have the differentiation between child, whether it's a boy or a girl or whoever. Wow, you guys, thank you. This has been so beautiful. I, I feel like I want another one because there's so many layers. And I think the biggest takeaways is that there's no answers here, right? You're talking about being flexible, adjusting moment to moment. You're talking about self-care. You're talking about honoring the grief. You're talking about having deep compassion for yourselves and your daughters. You know, I actually think the more we can really feel the chaos that they're going through right now allows us all, and you said this, like to stay in our adult, right? Because it's so easy to get pulled into the adolescent versions of all of us. And it's how he said so beautifully, like, you know, I, I can teenage out with them and then we get nowhere. And so they need us to be the adults and everything you just said around self-care and just having the conversation 
brings us back into our adult moment to moment. And that's when we actually know exactly what to do because there's not that much to do except witness them and, you know, share our values and hold their hands when they fall over and over again. Anything to add? No, beautifully said. You guys are awesome. Any final words of wisdom for dads of daughters or dads of teens or dads in general out there? Well, I, I think it would be fun to come back and do a second episode, but, um, Howie's 15 bucks an hour <laughs> and I'm 40 bucks flat fee. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, big fan of motherhood uncut. Great job, ladies. On here with us um, today. So thank you both for your willingness to, you know, as we say to every interview we've had, like this is not easy to get in public and talk about your innermost experiences. So kudos to you guys. I'm really proud to be your co-parent, Jane, and I'm really proud, Howie, to be your co-third, fourth parent team. I think you guys are just amazing and reflective and kind and passionate and curious, and our daughters are incredibly lucky to have you as their fathers. It makes me want to cry a little bit when I say that out loud. Appreciate that. Love you guys. Thank you. Ditto that. We love parenting with you, Kripkes. Later, Deb. Later, Kater. Until next time. Okay. Bye. Bye.